Well, good morning, everybody. Um, uh, welcome to Resurrection City Church. My name is Julie, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, special welcome if you're watching online. Um, I know we've got one whole community group up at a, a cabin weekend this week, so uh, if you guys are catching us there, uh, welcome. We're glad you're joining us. Um, I want to start this morning uh, by addressing something that's a little bit more sobering. Uh, I think sometimes when we come to church, we expect it to be all positive and um, kind of upbeat, but we also recognize that sometimes that's not where people are at, and sometimes that's not what's going on in the world. And so I um, want to take a minute to make room for lament and for people who might not be feeling okay um, specifically after last weekend. So if you're unaware, last weekend there were two racially motiv motivated shootings, um, one in a supermarket in Buffalo, New York, and another one in a church in California. And it's also not lost on me that we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of George Floyd's murder this week. Um, and so at Resurrection City, we believe that God cares and does something about injustice in the world. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die and to rise again. Um, but we also believe that he calls us to care about that in the here and now, and that it's something that we um, can participate in and care about, and also just to make room uh, for lament and to uh, weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And so this morning, I just wanted to take a moment to pray a prayer of lament um, as we join with our black and Asian brothers and sisters who might still be mourning after the events of last weekend. So I'm going to pray, uh, pray a, a prayer from Psalm 6, and, and I invite you to um, bow your heads and, and pray with me. Father, have mercy on us, Lord, for we are faint. Heal us, Lord, for our bones are in agony. Our souls are in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver us. Save us because of your unfailing love. We are worn out from groaning. Away from us all who do evil, for the Lord has heard our weeping. The Lord has heard our cry for mercy, and the Lord accepts our prayer. All our enemies will be overturned with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Amen. So I know that there's not an easy way to transition out of hard things, and I think sometimes that's why uh, we as a church tend to avoid them. Uh, but I do want to transition into our sermon for this morning. And um, But before I do, if you're interested in having more conversations about what it looks like to care about justice in our city, um, what it looks like to pursue racial reconciliation, we do have a group that meets to um, pray about that and to talk about that and, and think about how we as a church can um, really pursue that well. And so if you're interested in joining that group, I'd love to connect you with the leaders. Um, so just let me know after church uh, and I'll, I'll get you the information for that. Okay, so we are wrapping up our spring sermon series this morning, and if you've been with us for a while, we've been looking at Psalm 23, and specifically uh, the line, he refreshes my soul. So we've been talking a lot about what it looks like to follow Jesus as the good shepherd, and some of the different practices that we can do as a part of that. And several of these practices that we've talked about actually include very physical things that we do with our bodies. So we're talking about God refreshing our soul, 
Uh, but we were also talking about things that we do with our bodies in order to experience that refreshment. So we've talked about fasting. Uh, we've talked about experiencing stillness in our bodies when we slow down to Sabbath uh, or spend time in silence. We've talked even in prayer about what it, you know, we might change our body posture in prayer in order to experience that uh, walking with Jesus. So even though the psalm talks specifically about Jesus refreshing our souls, we thought it might be helpful to take some time about, to talk about how he refreshes our bodies or think about how we are to view our bodies in light of the Good Shepherd. And when you look at the psalm, there's actually a lot of things that the uh, shepherd and the sheep are doing physically with their bodies, right? The shepherd anoints the the sheep's head with oil, prepares a feast for him in the presence of his enemies. Um, the, even the idea of walking with the shepherd is a physical thing that we do and that we experience in our own bodies. So we're going to look today about how uh, scripture talks about our bodies and how God views them and therefore how we can view them as well. And I recognize the irony of the fact that um, if you're watching online, you can't see it, but I am preaching sitting down because I fractured my toe. <laughs> uh, and so even the things that we, we experience, these things in our bodies, um, and so it's ironic that I'm preaching on that today. And last spring, I fell down our stairs and broke my tailbone the night before I was supposed to preach on suffering <laughs> in the book of Job. So I think I need to stop preaching on these types of topics as the... the takeaway I'm getting from all of this, but in all serious though, seriousness though, I know that for some of you, um, talking and thinking about our bodies can be a really challenging topic. Uh, maybe it's a really deep struggle for you, and if that's the case, I just want you to know that I've been praying for you this week, um, and I really am praying that this is a message that brings hope and encouragement and freedom rather than something that would be triggering or discouraging in any way. And on the other hand, some of you might be sitting here thinking, like, is this message even going to apply to me at all? Isn't, you know, talking about, like, body image and that kind of thing, isn't that more of a women's issue? Um, and it's okay if you're thinking that. I get it. But I do want to kind of uh, talk a little bit about why we should all care about how we view our bodies. Because I don't think it's just a women's issue. I think it's actually a community issue. And I think that because... How you talk about or treat your body impacts everyone else around you. So even if you think, well, this is just a me problem, this is just something that only affects me, there are other people in your life and in this community who feel that and see that and hear what you say, and that, you know, as we are a community, as we do life together, that's going to impact other people. And even if this issue does tend to affect women more than men, Half of our church is made up of women. And so if we are called to care about one another, I hope that if it's something that affects them, even if you're not a woman, that it would still be something that you care about. And maybe you don't really care that much about what your body looks like. It's just like not something you really think about. I asked Joel before um, preparing for the sermon, like, you know, do guys that you talk to struggle with this? Like, you know, what do they, how do they talk about it? And he's like, I don't know. Um, you know, he's like, if anything, I hear most people like making fun of like, in particular, their dad bods <laughs> or things like that. And so it sort of feels like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's something I'm making fun of. It's something I'm actually like, I don't really care that much about. And 
even if that's true, I think, I think sometimes we make fun of things because we actually do care about them and we're maybe insecure about it, but even if it does, is something that you don't care about, uh, even just making jokes and how you talk about your bodies, it's, uh, it sets a culture for you, for your family, for people around you, that it's okay to like make disparaging comments about our bodies and to really like joke about them and act as if like we don't like them in different ways. And specifically, and I'm picking a little bit on the, the dad bod idea here, uh, but if you are a dad, if you are a parent, um, you're modeling what your kids will learn about how to view their bodies and how to think about them. Uh, and specifically, there's stats that show that 40 to 60% of elementary-aged girls are concerned about their weight or about becoming too fat. Elementary kids. <laughs> We were just at Hamlin's uh, Elementary School's carnival yesterday, and elementary kids, they're small, they're young, and 40 to 60% of at least girls are concerned about their weight already. They're already thinking about their bodies and talking about them in ways that are unhelpful. And thinking about how we view or affect our, or how we talk about our bodies affects more than just people who struggle with body image too. Some of us struggle to view our bodies the way that God does because of physical or mental disabilities, chronic pain, chronic illness, uh, mental health, and how we talk about our bodies and what they can or should be able to do should be inclusive in the church of those who are not able-bodied. And again, even if that's not your experience, it may be the experience of others around you. And so I think it should matter to us as a church community that we have right views and um, right ways of thinking about our bodies. And the other thing is just, we all have bodies, right? <laughs> Whether you're male or female, uh, you, we may live different embodied experiences, but we all live in our bodies. And I think especially because we live in America, where the physical body and health tends to be either glorified and made into this like ultimate thing that you're like celebrating all the time or thinking about all the time, or it can be vilified, like something that always needs to be changed or something that's like completely unimportant in our new digital age. I think it matters that we as a church have a different mindset than the, than the world around us. And if you turn on the TV, if you go on social media, if you look at any kind of ads, which it's honestly impossible to go through this life without seeing them, you're constantly told how your body should look or perform or be, and that impacts us. That impacts our thinking, and if we're not putting something else there in place, that's what we're going to be uh, naturally drawn towards. And then on the other hand, uh, if you were here a few months back, Joel preached on technology, and he talked about how some people who are really into the tech world, uh, they almost view the body as like, it doesn't matter, right? It's just like this thing that we have to deal with. But ultimately, what really matters is our mind. Um, and our bodies are actually just like a meat suit was the word that one person used in the interview. And so that's not how God talks about our bodies either, right? He created them, he gave them to us, and so we need to find some kind of different space to occupy than what the culture normally tells us. Because ultimately, we're citizens of a different kingdom, so therefore we need to treat and think, our think about our bodies differently than the world around us. So the big idea that I want to talk about this morning is that God created our bodies, and he created them good. And as a result, we're called to steward them and the best way we can do that is through worship. 
So let's start with the idea that God created our bodies good. So we're going to go back to the creation story again. I know we've been going back there a lot lately, but I think there's a lot we can glean about um, how God created us and all the different facets of us, including our physical body. So in the creation story, we see that each day God creates something, and then at the end of the day, he looks at it and he says, this is good, right? He creates the birds and the air, creates the sky, creates all the different things. I'm out of order. Um, but uh, at the end of every thing that he creates, he stops and he looks at it and he says, this is good. And I like to tease Joel because uh, oftentimes when he makes dinner, after we sit down to eat, uh, he'll be like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> and I always tease him because I'm like, yeah, because you made it. Um, and on one hand, he's not, that's not a bad thing, right? It's okay to create something and to be excited about it and to say, this is good, right? I'm excited about this. There's something, you have a different amount of excitement about a meal that like you have spent time creating and that you're really excited about. Or maybe for you it's not food, but it's something that you've built or something that you've knitted or painted or whatever it is that you like to do, something that you've poured time and energy into it. And at the end, you step back and you're like, this is good, right? I'm proud of this. And, you know, I tend to be a little bit more critical of things I make, um, but even me, I've, I've had things that I've created that I've looked at and thought, yeah, this is good. And that's what God is doing. Each day he creates something, and at the end he reflects on his work. And in the sixth day of creation, God creates humanity. And so we're going to look again at Genesis 1. We're going to look at verse 27 and verse 31. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then you skip down a little bit, and it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So this time, whether because God is looking at all of his work and how it all fits together, or just because he's looking at Adam and Eve, looking at the creation that he has made in humanity, he says, this is very good, right? It's a departure from the normal pattern where we get, this is good, this is good, this is good. But this humanity, this is very good. And a lot of times when we look at this passage and how humanity was created good, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about our, like our spiritual goodness, because this all takes place before sin enters the world, and so Adam and Eve are considered spiritually good. Uh, maybe you think of them as morally good, but they're also physically good. The world, including human bodies, has not yet been subject to decay, and Adam and Eve in their physical states are very good. Unfortunately, not long after this, the serpent shows up and plants the idea in Eve's head that who she is, how God created her to be, is not enough. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, he's talking about the tree, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you hear that? Do you hear that subtle suggestion that Eve needs to be more, right? She needs to be more like God. There's something that she's lacking, and the serpent's kind of poking at her saying, hey, don't you want to be better don't you want to be more like God, even though we already know humanity was created in the image of God? He's saying that there's something about her, the way that she is, that is lacking. And Eve buys into the lie, and Adam with her, 
And now we all live in a broken and fallen world. And I think if you're familiar, you know, we're talking about the idea of, of God creating our bodies good. If you're familiar at all with the term body positivity, uh, it's kind of an idea that's out in the world. And the idea is just that you, it's kind of a similar idea, right? That bodies are good, that any size, any shape, however you are, that you are good. But I think one of the things that is different about how we're called to view our bodies than body positivity is that we do recognize that we live in a broken world. So we can lament that. We can lament the fact that our bodies, along with everything else now that feels the effects of sin, and that we're constantly living with this idea that we should be more, right? Or that something's not right. Maybe you have very tangible things that are not right in your body or in your life, um, or maybe it's just that subtle idea that you're always wrestling with, that you're, you could be more, right? And so we recognize that there is room to lament. Uh, body positivity just says, hey, whatever it is, it's great, right? Be happy about it. But I think the gospel and the way that, that scripture calls us to view our bodies says, yes, God created our bodies good. And at the same time, we experience brokenness, and that's okay. It's okay to lament that. It's okay to experience that. And at the same time, even though we do experience brokenness, our bodies are still good. In the same way that creation is broken and still good, right? We look at the ocean, the mountains, the trees, the physical world. It experiences the effects of sin, and yet we still love it. We still look at it and say, this is amazing. This is good. And in the same way that our hearts are broken and sinful, and yet God still works to redeem them and to bring good out of them. It's the same with our bodies. They may experience brokenness in this world, but God, in the end, will restore them and redeem them. They were created good. And yes, they may experience brokenness or be used for sinfulness now, but God is working to redeem them, and one day he will fully restore them. And that is very good. Our bodies were created good. And I think that's the second difference uh, when it comes to body positivity. Body positivity might just say, it's good, right? Like, it's just this idea that you're supposed to believe and buy into, which is great. But sometimes you might have a hard time buying into that. And so what's the reason behind it that we can put our, our hope in and say, even when I don't feel like my body is good, I know that it's good. And that's where scripture comes in. We can look at God creating us and creating us in his image and know that we have a body that was created good. Not just because someone came up with the idea and told us to believe it, but because God created us that way. And until the day that we get to experience full restoration in our bodies, uh, we're not called to glorify them or vilify them, but we're to recognize that they're created good and that they are our gifts, they're our home, they're resources that God has given us in this life, and we are called to steward those things. So the second thing I want to talk about is that until Jesus comes back, we are called to steward our bodies for his glory. Our bodies are one of the main gifts that God has given us to be able to worship him and to live out his kingdom while we are here on earth. So what does it look like to steward our bodies? I think it includes some of the basic things you might think of, like resting, sleeping, Sabbathing, eating food that will fuel our bodies, um, moving our bodies. All of these things can be acts of worship that are ways that we can steward our body for God's glory. But unfortunately, I think we've taken a lot of these good things uh, that can be a part of stewardship and can be things that are worshipful, 
And we've twisted them because we're still bought into that lie from the serpent that we're not enough as we are, that we need to be something more or something better. So instead of doing these things like moving our bodies and eating and resting as acts of worship, we're trying to use them as ways to improve ourselves, ways to make our body enough or ways to make our body good because we don't believe that it is in our current state. So whether it's a fixation on body image or weight or being healthy, however you might define that or however culture might define it, or even if it's just about being comfortable in our bodies, we can turn our bodies into projects that always need to be worked on in order to be enough. Right? They become, in the same way that like home improvement projects, if we start it, and there's always inevitably something that takes much longer or needs much more work than you anticipated, we treat our bodies, our homes on this earth, the same way. Like they constantly need to be improved and constantly need to be worked on. Whether it's, you know, in your mind, oh, if I could just lose this number of pounds, then I'll be worthy. Or if I can follow all the health trends and only eat clean, then I'll be healthy and I'll never have to worry about pain or discomfort. We twist these things that should be acts of stewardship in our body and make them actually about ourselves and our desires instead of about worshiping God. And I don't think it's intentional, right? I don't think we're trying to make it about ourselves. Uh, and to give glory to ourselves instead of God. But when we get caught up in this need to make our bodies better, we become self-reliant, right? I have to figure this out on my own. And when I do figure it out, when I do feel that certain way that I've been aiming for, then it, all the glory goes to me because I'm the one who did the work. But here's the thing. We're always going to live in a broken world, and so you're never going to achieve whatever you deem perfection is in your body in this life. And as someone who wrestles with chronic illness and with chronic pain, this is something that I feel like I've been um, wrestling with for a lot of years. Because there's no cure for my conditions, so I have to sort of wrap my brain around the idea that I will always live every day with some level of pain, with some amount of symptoms, and with some amount of limitations in my life. And I wrestled with this. I think, especially in the beginning, I, I honestly felt shame about it because it felt like I have this body that I can't seem to fix, right? Everyone else can figure it out, can, can move past this, can um, reach their goals of perfection in their body, but I'm kind of stuck with this, right? I'm stuck with health that can be unpredictable um, or that I can do less than others sometimes because my body won't function the same way. And I think this is the reason that we struggle with this so much is that a lot of times the lie our culture tries to sell us is that there's always a way to be comfortable. There's always a way to be better. There's always a way to be more attractive. Uh, Jess Connolly, in her book, Breaking Free from Body Shame, calls this trying to beat the curse. So this idea that we live in a broken world, but the idea that we buy into is that there's always a, a way to solve the problems that we face. Right? Have a physical ailment, there's a pill or a supplement or something you can take to fix it. Not sleeping because your child keeps waking up in the middle of the night. Here's a book or a course that will get them sleeping through the night in a week. Or want to lose weight, here's a detox diet that will fix all of your problems. But the problem is, is that we can't beat the curse. 
We're always going to live with some amount of discomfort um, or not reaching up to our goals of what perfection are in this life. And that's not what we want, right? We want easy answers. I'll admit, that's what I want. We want easy fixes. We want perfection. But for any of us who have been in a struggle to experience that, for whatever reasons, if it's infertility or chronic pain or any other mental health problems, we know that the idea that there's a fix or an improvement for everything in our physical life just isn't true. And as much as I don't want anyone to have to deal with the same kind of uh, pain or problems that I face to, in order to realize that, I do think it's something that, I, that we need to realize, that we need to come around to. Because the idea that we can always fix everything and the focus on this life and this physical world takes us out of our belief and our, uh, out of remembering that we're not made for this world. We are citizens of heaven, citizens of the life that is to come. And it's only in that world that all of our problems will actually be fixed. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul reminds us of this truth uh, when he says this. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. He says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in, he's referring to the body, it's kind of a cryptic passage, the wording's a little strange, but if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are, oh, I lost my place, and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So Paul's reminding us that our ultimate destination, our ultimate dwelling place, is not in this physical body, and it's not in this world. Our ultimate goal and our ultimate dwelling place is with God in the new heavens and the new earth where we will be completely restored, including our bodies. That's where our hope is, and that's where the glory is. The glory and the hope is not in uh, achieving our goals, our physical goals or our mental health goals in this life, but it's in the next one, the one to come. And that's not to say that we don't still try, right? Again, that's the whole point of this. We're called to steward our bodies well, but we can't live with the idea that we have to make them perfect here and now because then we give up the idea that there's something more in the next life to come. I love how verse 5 uh, in this a passage reads in the translation called the Common English Bible. It says, Now the one who has prepared us for this very thing is God, and God gave us the Spirit as a down payment for our home. So the Holy Spirit resides in us now. We experience him in our embodied life as a reminder that there is something better that's coming. We have hope and, and have glory for the life and the restoration that is to come. And I love the image of the down payment for our home because that's something, you know, it, Paul uses like tents and that's not really something we uh, talk about a ton unless you're really into camping, which I'm not. Um, but the idea of buying a home we get, right? Like that's something that we can understand. And so the idea that the Holy Spirit is the down payment for us, that we know that we have a better home, a greater home that is to come. Jesus, God himself, uh, gave us that as a reminder that we can have hope. 
And the Holy Spirit lives in us to remind us of that, but it also reminds us that while we may not be able to beat the curse, while we will always deal with the brokenness in this world, there is someone who did. Jesus, God himself, came to earth in the form of a human body and lived this embodied experience that we all live. He knows, he gets it. He knows what it's like to live in this broken world. And even though he did nothing to deserve it, he allowed his body to take on the curse for us. He took on the curse when he went to the cross and died for us. He literally sacrificed his own body so that we could experience new life in ours. And through the resurrection and a relationship with him, we can have hope. Hope that we do not ultimately belong to this broken world, but we belong to Jesus and to his kingdom. So we don't have to strive now. We don't have to strive to make our bodies perfect in the here and now. Instead, we are loved, worthy, good, and whole in him. When we choose to follow Jesus and to walk with him, we're reminded that we can't beat the curse now, but we don't have to because Jesus already has. He did that when he died and rose again. So we steward our bodies. We steward the gift that God has given us and the fact that we can experience the Holy Spirit and our embodied experience, but we don't treat them like projects. We don't objectify them. We don't make them out to be something more than what they should be. And we don't focus on our bodies more than we should because the best way that we can steward our bodies is to use them to worship God and to follow Jesus. And some of that means taking the focus off of our physical bodies and putting it into something else. Because physical appearances uh, or measures of how healthy we can be are not the things that God looks at to determine how we can worship him. God looks at our hearts. There's a story in the Old Testament where the people of God needed a new king. And the one that they had, uh, he was no longer following God, and so God says, that's it, it's time for somebody else. And so he tells Samuel, hey, I've found a new king, and I want you to go and anoint him. So he tells him which family to go to, but he doesn't tell him which family member is the one he's supposed to anoint as the new king. So Samuel gets there, and he's looking at the kids in the family, uh, and he sees one of the sons, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that must be him, right? Maybe in your own family, or maybe you can think of times where you've looked around and thought, yeah, that must be the person who, who should be important or the person who should be in charge. And so Samuel does that, and he's like, okay, I'll anoint him. He looks like a king, right? He's strong, he's tall, he's good-looking. He just seems like the right guy for the job. But this is what the Lord tells Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Nope. He says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And this idea is echoed throughout other places of Scripture, too. God is less concerned with you checking all the boxes of living a perfect Christian life than he is with the condition of your heart. He's less concerned with how successful you are, uh, even in the work that he's called you to do. He's much more concerned with your heart. And he is less concerned about what you look like or how your body appears as he is much more concerned about the condition of your heart. It's the most important thing about us. 
The most important thing about us isn't how we look, how we appear. It's not how smart we are or how successful we are. It's the condition of our heart. So I ask you, how much time do you spend thinking about your body compared to your heart? Or if body image and that kind of a thing is less of a struggle for you, maybe how much time do you think about your mind and how smart you are, how much you know compared to your heart? It's a convicting question. And yes, it matters that we have strong theology and we understand you know, who God is and how he views our bodies. And yes, it matters that we steward our bodies well. But at the end of the day, the thing that matters most to God is the condition of our heart. If we have hearts that desire to worship God first and foremost, to see God glorified first and foremost, then that's going to change our priorities. It's going to change how we think. It's going to change how we live in this world. And at the beginning of this, I shared a little bit about why, um, even if this isn't a struggle for you, why you should care about this, right? That it's a community issue. But I want to also talk about why any of us should care about this. Because the reason that we care and think about what God thinks about our bodies or how we should view our bodies is not uh, just a desire to grow in that and to not experience the struggles we experience, but it's to grow in our experience of Jesus. Our goal is to experience more of him, to experience more of his glory, to understand him more, uh, and to grow in our worship through him. And so if that's the case, if our goal is to experience Jesus more, then the best way to do that is to do it through worship. So it matters that we move forward and how we think about it uh, because it matters that we worship God first and foremost in our bodies and in our lives. And we're never going to achieve uh, this like healthy understanding that we might be wanting, right, of how to view our bodies, if, especially if this is a deep struggle for you, if you're like, I want to experience freedom in this area. You're never going to experience that completely on your own. Some of us might need assistance from other people, uh, whether that be counselors or doctors or nutritionists or physical trainers. Um, but we're also all going to need God if we're going to grow in this area. Because without him, we are still just trying to improve our bodies on our own. We're making it about our, ourselves and our own glory rather than about worshiping him. So if that's true, where do we start? I think a good place to start when we want to grow in general is repentance. And I think that that's true here. So taking time to repent of the ways that we have made our bodies about our own glory, the ways that we have turned them into projects, or the ways that we've believed lies about them, can set us up to believe the truth that our bodies were created good and that God has called us to steward them for his glory. And if not repentance, then maybe lament. I know for some of you, maybe you've experienced sin against you in your bodies, or maybe you've had other people um, speak things about your body that are unhelpful or untrue, right? I know I've talked about it matters how we talk about our bodies, and some of you have experienced that firsthand. Maybe someone said something or made a joke that was funny but actually was very harmful. Um, or maybe other people have just spoken poorly about your body and that's impacted how you view it. And so maybe you need to start with lament there. Um, or maybe it is talking about thinking about repentance, turning from the ways that you have viewed your body and turning towards worship of God instead. Because we lament and we repent because it makes us take stock of where we're at currently so that we can create new space for God to work in our lives. 
new space for God's truth to take hold, uh, and new space for us to live and to uh, act out the truths that we believe about how God has created us. We live in a broken world, and we're going to struggle. We're going to fail. This is going to be challenging, and you might get hurt by other people in the process. But God is redeeming us, heart, body, and soul. And so let's turn from the previous ways uh, that we've maybe viewed our bodies and lean into the truth of God. Let's worship him, let's seek him, and allow him to reframe the way we view uh, and think and talk about our bodies. We can praise God that he has made our bodies good, that he has beaten the curse, and that one day he will come back and that new redeemed reality will be the only one that we live in. And those things are worthy of praising God for, and those things make God a God worthy of worship. So we're going to head into um, some time of communion and worship, uh, which is actually a perfect space to reflect on all of this. Communion is a way that reminds us that Jesus did take on a physical body. He gave up his body and sacrificed it for us so that we could be redeemed. And it's something that we get to physically, tangibly do as a reminder of those things. And so as you take communion, I encourage you to think about that, to pray about that, to practice lament or repentance if you need to, um, and think about the ways that you can use your body to worship God through stewarding it well. And as we head into that time, if this is something that you want to talk more about, uh, we are going to do a summer book club uh, through the book I mentioned earlier, Breaking Free from Body Shame. So there is a sign-up online at rustatechurch.org slash events. And if you're interested in doing it, I encourage you to fill that out, um, or you can just come talk to me. We'd love for you to participate. Um, this one will be probably women only, and if there are some men who would like to talk through this, then we can have a separate group for them, just because it can be kind of a sensitive issue, and we want to create space for people to really be vulnerable um, and to, to talk with one another. So if you're interested in doing that, would love to have you talk more. I know I only skimmed the surface uh, in talking through this, and so we'll continue that conversation this summer. But before that, let's take some time to worship and praise God for who he has created us, how he has created us good. Uh, so I'm going to pray, and then our worship team is going to come up, and we will continue to worship through song and communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the creator and that you have created us good, that we can trust you and rely on you, know that what you say is true is something that's trustworthy. Lord, I just pray, especially for anybody who might struggle uh, with this topic, that you would just be with them. You would give them comfort and give them peace. Uh, and for all of us as a community, that we would be people who uh, care about how we view this because we care about the other people in our community. And that we would be a community that comes around those who are struggling and supports them uh, as they walk through this. And pray all of these things in your name. Amen. <laughs>